That's right. It's the NFFL Podcast. Come match ya, match ya, match ya for week five. Gonna look back at week four and head of week five. Welcome back to the NFFL Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Richard Headley, broadcasting live from my basement. And we've got some fun, interesting news this week for you. There are still three unbeaten teams and only two winless teams left. Now, Cower Power and Lance Manlove, I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, those of you who aren't Cower Power or Lance Manlove, but they were doing some extensive roster shedding on Tuesday morning. Don't think they were too pleased with their squad's performances on Sunday. And hey, Commish, did Cower Power ever inform the office of Commissioner as to who their COVID squad was composed of? Let's move on to some other late-breaking news. I call this breaking news because I don't remember seeing an email formal announcement to the league for either one of these two trades, but they, they happened. There were two trades that took place last week. The first one involved whiskey and women, women, woman, singular, trading J.K. Dobbins to Cobra Kai for Mike Hilton. The second involved Cobra Power, Cobra Power, Cower Power, also trading to Cobra Kai. Cower uh, Power traded A.J. Brown to, Cower, to Cobra Kai. There's too many C's in this trade. In exchange for Brandon Ayuk and Bernardrick McKinney. Like I said, uh, I don't remember seeing any announcements for that, but they happened, and uh, there we go. Let's move on to some uh, not-so-great news. We're going to touch on injuries for the week. One more player out for the season. O.J. Howard ruptured his Achilles. Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle both went on IR, uh, most likely short-term, but at least a few weeks. Uh, Nick Chubb with an MCL injury, Sonny Michelle with a quad. Uh, Austin Eckler, Eli Apple, and Julio Jones all dealing with hamstring injuries and Julio's has been around since before the season started so I'd be surprised if he's playing at full strength at all this season LaShawn McCoy, Miles Jack, Noah Fant all have ankle injuries Kenyon Barner, Tyler Eifert and Jordan Akins all have concussions they're dealing with and Darius Leonard and Scotty Miller dealing with some groin pains not great those are injuries this week. If you have any of those guys on your rosters, plan accordingly, whether that means jettisoning them or just benching them in favor of someone else. Officially four weeks in the books. Uh, moving into week five, which means we have, uh, last week, I, I gave our first preliminary Pierce watch uh, warning, but we are officially into Pierce watch season. And how about I pound you like a boy? That didn't come out right. There are two teams that are 0-4. There are also some teams that are 1-3. And I asked Scotty, uh, big, huge shout out to Scott Sweatman, our league statistician. I asked him before I realized he was going through uh, some minor surgery if he'd compile a little extra stats for me, and, uh, and he got back to me. He he did. 
he's he's recovering nicely so uh, good on you scott thank you so much uh, glad to hear that you're doing better for teams to start one and three historically in the nffl throughout our entire history now this is uh, without data for two seasons because we could not get into two seasons uh or one season of information teams have started one and three 53 times 27 of those teams have made the playoffs. That's just under 51%. So if you start at one and three, you got a pretty decent chance of making the playoffs. You're literally 50-50. Now, teams that have started 0-4, that's happened 15 times in the NFFL. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Uh, one has made the playoffs, and that was last year's Grizzles Gladiators. That is a 7% success rate. It's not good. Lance Manlove, you are officially owning this Pierce Watch slot this week. That was an absolutely disastrous performance, and we'll talk about it more later. 80 points less than projected. Ah, in a week where you only lost by a handful to the previous number 12 team. So that is your Pierce Watch for this week. Lance Manlove, you might want to consider getting on the stick. Let's look back at our film room review. Let's start off with Cower Power. Uh-oh. Taking on Gridiron Mafia. Uh, this game finished 196.52 to 175.90. Uh, this was a 20.62 point margin of victory for Gridiron Mafia. Uh, I did pick Gridiron Mafia to win, so thank you for making me look good in that one. For Cower Power, Rex Burkhead indeed did succumb to the backfield by Belichick uh, Black Magic. Tom Brady and his 50 points on the bench really hurt, as well as Zadarius Smith and his nearly 30 on the bench, especially when you factor in that goose egg from Nicholas Morrow, who did start in Zadarius's place. And Cower Power really did not look good this week. Number eight offense and number eight defense. Uh, you're, you're talking bottom half of the league and both i understand had a lot of guys that had to make uh up for you, you 175 is not anything to sneeze at when replacing at least six players off the waiver wire so kudos for that for gridiron mafia obj finally paid off he always plays well against dallas uh, in fact, this week, he was better than his first three weeks combined. Kenyon Drake, I think we can officially call him a bust. Um, Nuke is soaking up his targets. This was the easiest matchup he may have all season, and he only put up 35 yards, period. And Ronald Jones's day, it looks better on paper than it really was. He was involved in the passing game, but two pretty significant drops. And historically, Tom Brady does not like when his running backs drop passes. So if Rojo keeps doing this, uh, I'd expect him to eh, disappear in the workload. Let's move on to Jim Kelly Hates Cancer. Touchdown! Taking on Rostergaard 99. 
shakalaka. I was so close with this one. I was watching the game really closely. I finished up 217.40 to 200.10. This is 17.30 point margin of victory for Jim Kelly Hates Cancer. I was rooting for Roster Guy 99, pulling for him for the upset, and they came seriously. So close. For Jim Kelly Hates Cancer, they had the number two offense and the number one defense this week. Uh, very, very little in the way of weaknesses in this lineup. In fact, the only weakness in this armor that I can really point to is DeAndre Hopkins. He had a very pedestrian seven receptions for 41 yards this week. Roster got 99, like I said, so close. Number four offensive team this week. It's the best of the season, marred only by that goose egg from Brandon Cooks. The points, mathematically the points were on the bench, but it would have been very difficult to have made the choices that would have had to have been made to put them on the field. So uh, no shame in your game this week. Let's move on to the Toilet Bowl game of the week. The Brown Note, that would be Lance Manlove. <laughs> Taking on Ninja Panthers. <laughs> This was a 136.86 to 126.29 finale. That's a 10.57 margin of victory for Ninja Panthers. I mentioned this earlier in the Pierce Watch. Lance Manlove had their worst performance of the season. They had the number 11 offense and the number 10 defense. And the points were not on the bench. They were absolutely killed by two wide receivers this week in their lineup. Calvin Ridley... Goose egg. Five targets, no receptions. He wasn't helped by Julio leaving or hobbling off early with his uh, hamstrings, so all the coverage got rotated to Calvin, but still. And Marvin Jones, one reception for nine yards. I mean, I know you're not the number one receiver on your team, but really? This is the guy who just last season had more than one multiple touchdown game. For Ninja Panthers, this was their second highest output of the season. Todd Gurley finally showed up. Two touchdowns on the day, which is good because uh, Henderson was overshadowed by Malcolm Brown uh, out in L.A. for some reason. I have no clue what to make of that. And George Kittle's back with 32 points on the bench. Thankfully, it didn't hurt them this week. I call it the Toilet Bowl Game of the Week because it was a bit of a snoozer. So let's move on to the night shift. Taking on Grizzles Gladiators. This finished at 190.13 to 176.34. That's almost a 14-point margin of victory for Night Shift. For Night Shift, uh, losing Nick Chubb early in the game to his MCL injury and Tyler Lockett being quiet until... uh, 
into the fourth quarter really gave the team a scare. Dalvin Cook continues to be a master in the kitchen uh, with another two-touchdown day. And the defense really stepped up this week. They're starting to, to round out and shape up. Uh, they had the number three performance on the week. For Grizzlies Gladiators, Dak Prescott is going to keep them in most games this season on his own. He's going to pick up the team, strap them on his back, and carry them. Thankfully for them, they were not hurt too badly by the loss of Derrick Henry. And 18 points from Sam Ficken? <laughs> I, I, texted, I, I texted Greg. I made fun of Sam Ficken last week in the poopers section for only scoring one point, and then he turns around this week and puts up 18 points on Thursday night. So I don't think I'm going to mock any more kickers that I'm playing against <laughs> the following week. Let's move on to the Awful Waffles. Awful waffle. Awful waffle. Awful. Taking on Hater Tech. Now, this was a 183.65 to 132.27 finish. It's a 51.38 point margin of victory for Awful Waffles, earning them the whoop-ass victory of the week. Awful Waffles, nothing... Remarkably special. Uh, number nine offense, number four defense. Antonio Gibson was surprisingly solid uh, this week in a game that was closer than I expected. Alvin Kamara was quieter than he probably should have been versus Detroit. And Zeke was steady, but again, not elite. And I don't know, he's showing, at least in my eyes, he's not worth the draft capital that he cost. He's got a decent floor, but he's not giving you those ceiling games this year. Four weeks in, and I don't think he's top 20 points yet. For Hater Tech, why was Greg Ward in while Tyreek Hill was sitting on the bench? I was very much scratching my head on that one. Uh, running back continues to be an embarrassment. Uh, just under 12 points. And less than two from Carrion Johnson. They had the worst offense this week, only scoring 75 points, which is less than 20 more points than their defense scored. <laughs> Not a great week. Might want to start whipping those boys into shape there, Hater Tech. Now let's move on to our game of the week. Featured Cobra Kai and Whiskey and Woman. I predict this is a game of the week, and it was not as close as I thought. 224.56 to 180.49, 44 point margin of victory for Whiskey and Woman. Cobra Kai, just not their week. Did what was expected of them. Uh, the trio of Hollywood, Robinson, and Clive Edwards-Alaire that they traded for a couple weeks back, not stellar, but not horrible, showing more floor than ceiling yet again. So, I mean, decent production, but not not stellar. Nothing to, to really say breakout. But C.D. Lamb is really locking in as an every-week stud with his two-touchdown day this week. For Whiskey and Woman, Joe Mixon had his best day of the year, finally. 
151 yards, two touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. And Amari Cooper, the only other skill player that I really spend much time bragging about. 12 receptions, 134 yards, and a touchdown. On the defensive side, Levante David and Miles Garrett combined for 12 tackles, two sacks, one fumble forced, and a defended uh, a defense pass. So, Whiskey and Woman, you've had a very, very nice season. Keep it up. That was week four in a nutshell. Let's take a look back at some of the studs and hand out some hardware. Let's go right through. Haterade Offensive Player of the Week is going to Dalvin Cook, running back on night shift. 27 rushing attempts, 130 yards, two touchdowns, and added on two more receptions for 16 yards through the air. Over on the Crazy Horse side for Offensive Player of the Week goes to the aforementioned Joe Mixon at running back for Whiskey and Woman. 25 attempts, 151 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, six receptions for 30 yards through the air, and a receiving touchdown. For Haterade, the Defensive Player of the Week, K.J. Wright, linebacker for Awful Waffles, six tackles, one fumble forced, and three passes defensed. For Crazy Horse, their Defensive Player of the Week goes to Miles Garrett, also on Whiskey and Woman. Defensive line, two tackles, two sacks, and one fumble forced. Nicely done. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately for us, for every... Every great guy that's out there, there's a pooper. Now, again, I do not consider injured players poopers. Pooping is when a player uh, fails to meet their projected expectations, typically in grandiose fashion. They had to have started for their NFFL team. Let's look at Calvin Ridley, 0 for 5, Logan Thomas, Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, Mike Gesicki, Isaiah Simmons, Montez Sweaty, Joey Bosa, one whole tackle. Wow. Michael Gallup, Robbie Gould, yep, a kicker. I don't think I'm playing against him next week, so I'm mocking him. Antoine Winfield, Chandler Jones, Carrion Johnson. Dude, you're not great, apparently. T.Y. Hilton, Kenyon Drake, DeAndre Hopkins. It is really a sad day when I have to put your name in here, dude. Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones, Greg Zerline. That's two kickers. Two kickers that pooped this week right on the field. I don't know why they think they can do that. Harrison Smith and Dante Fowler Jr. Those were your poopers of the week. Not good enough, damn it. Not good enough. Let's also look at some of those, uh, the top five players who just excelled fantastically from the bench. Only losing teams were eligible. Let's look at DeAndre Swift. Now, last week, we didn't have a whole lot of points left on the bench, but this week we did. DeAndre Swift, roster guard 99, running back. Projected at 576, put up 13.20. That's 744. Aaron Rodgers for Grizzles Gladiators, quarterback, projected 30.93, pretty decent. Put up 44.5. That's 13.61 points left on the bench. Zadarius Smith mentioned him earlier for Cower Power, linebacker, projected 11.73, put up 
29.20 points. That is 17.47 points left on the bench. Tom Brady also on Cower Power. Quarterback, of course, uh, projected at 28.87. Pretty modest for a quarterback. Had a five-touchdown day and put up 50.08 points. That is 21.21 points left on the bench. And our biggest duel of the week goes to Robert Tanyan, roster guard 99, tight end, projected only at 7.62, had a hat trick, three touchdowns, 30.80 points. That is 23.18 points. That has to hurt for some of those players. Kudos for picking them up. No kudos for not playing them. So that's enough looking back. Let's look forward at next week's matchups in our pick six section. going to start out with number five, Cobra Kai at two and two. Taking on number 11, Roster Garden 99 at one and three. Boom shakalaka. Now, earlier in the week, uh, I, I mapped these out on Tuesday evening. Uh, Cobra Kai is projected to win by about a field goal. Uh, for Cobra Kai, the bye weeks are not a Big issue, but they do look to be shaking the roster up some. Watch running back. Clyde Edwards-Alaire gets a soft run defense in Las Vegas, but it's a divisional matchup. And Andy Reid is already starting to look to get into his, I forgot I had a running back mode already. <laughs> uh, Robinson gets a very delicious matchup versus that soft Houston rush defense, but they've also got that new interim head coach situation and that sometimes means often means a spark for teams that want to play well for the the new guy uh edmonds uh, is also eating into kevin drake's workload so edmonds chase Edmonds is a real work uh, real wild card against the jets uh, i'm keeping an eye on him for roster ground 99 brandon cooks another goose egg i'd cut bait uh if he cooks and he really no no pun intended i don't know why i wrote that if he balls out um, he's going to seal this win for Rostergard. I don't expect it, though. Uh, Watson has a new play caller. Bill O'Brien was calling a play, so, and he's no longer there. Uh, he's one to watch, and he's only had floor games, so I'm really curious if he's uh, finally going to show off his ceiling. I am worried about Gordon at New England. Uh, it's not going to be easy, and it's very likely that he's going to get schemed out. I am picking Cobra Kai to squeak this one out. Moving on, number eight, Cower Power. Uh-oh. Sitting at one and three, takes on the number one team, Whiskey and Woman. <laughs> Sitting pretty at four and oh. The projected outcome is Whiskey and Woman by over 20 points. For Cower Power, on paper, it's a pretty solid lineup for most of the offense. I'm most curious about Adam Thielen at Seattle. It's an away game in prime time where Cousins typically tends to disappear. And his wide receivers will suffer if this is one of those games. Singletary and Diggs also get a decent matchup versus Tennessee, but only if COVID is under control. And as of Wednesday, when I'm recording this, they had another couple of tests and early reports are, it's very possible that 
they're going to face more discipline because apparently they had they broke some more COVID restrictions and were having practice together when they weren't supposed to. And some of the scuttlebutt me is that they may be forced to forfeit. So there may not be a Bills Titans game this week. <sighs> Stupid Titans. For Whiskey and Woman, running back gets interesting this week. Kareem Hunt gets to shoulder the load in Cleveland, but it is against uh, Indianapolis, and they're pretty stingy against the run. Meanwhile, Mixon comes off the best game of the season into a divisional matchup with Baltimore, who they do pretty well against the run. Wide receivers also have their own struggles on paper. Uh, Robert Woods has been second fiddle in their run first attack the last week or two, and Washington is tough against the pass, and they're starting a new quarterback on their own and Cooper gets surprisingly stingy passing defense in New York Giants and that could be because teams don't need to throw against them but it is a divisional game up game and it is uh if you want narrative it is Jason Garrett playing against his former Cowboys and it is also possible that Dallas will finally meet a team that they can go up early on against and not need to throw as much I am picking whiskey and woman but it's probably going to be closer than any of us think number six gridiron mafia At two and two is taking on number four, Jim Kelly Hates Cancer. Touchdown! At three and one. Now, the projected outcome is that Jim Kelly Hates Cancer is going to win by about ten. For Good Out of Mafia, two New Orleans receivers not named Michael Thomas are in the lineup as of right now. On a week that many in the league are expecting Michael Thomas to return to game action. If it were me, I might want to consider slotting Deontay Johnson in against Philadelphia. That's just me. Uh, I don't expect the offensive explosion that OBJ had last week, as Indy's pass defense is much better than Dallas's. Uh, for Jim Kelly Hates Cancer, Will Fuller emerges as the number one wide receiver in Houston uh, so far this season, as long as he's healthy. He does get a tougher Jacksonville matchup. I am waiting on that injury shoe to drop. Nicole Hardman is a risky play. Las Vegas is tough versus the pass, and he's dependent on the big play. He's very touchdown dependent. If he doesn't get a touchdown, his numbers are really small. I do like Chris Carson and Mike Davis at running back, but Carson's play has been worrying me this season. He did have that knee injury in week three. Uh, He did have a concussion scare this last week. What's going to be this week? I am picking Jim Kelly Hates Cancer to win this one. Moving on to number seven, Grizzles Gladiators. Ah! At number, or at sitting at two and two, they're going to take on number 12, Lance Manlove. At 0 and 4, the projected outcome is that Lance Manlove will win by nine points. For Grizzles, Gladiators, I really have reservations for the offense. Uh, Banged up Evans on a short week versus Chicago, potentially without the number two or wide or number three wide receiver as well. Uh, It was announced Wednesday that Godwin is already ruled out, Uh, so definitely without a number two. And Scotty Miller is dealing with that groin injury; he's questionable. Who knows? Nikhil Harry just this side of the bust this season. 
Justin Jefferson is a new stud, but like I said earlier, that primetime game for Kirk Cousins is a bit of a worry. Sanders at running back versus Pittsburgh and Henry versus Buffalo, if that game is played, not great on paper. It might be another Sam Fickens week. For Lance Manlove, I expect another disappointing output for Lance Manlove. Uh, Jackson's going to be fine at quarterback, but Ridley is playing hurt. He's got his own hamstring tweak. Jonathan Taylor versus Cleveland. Kelsey versus a Las Vegas defense. It's only allowed 10 receptions to tight end. This week, the offense is going to run through Darius Slayton and David Montgomery. That's not something you want even in fantasy. It's not good for a team that on the season ranks 10th in total offense, 8th in total defense, 10th in total points, and dead last in meeting their projections. On the season, they have scored 168 points less than what they've what they're projected. Um, I, based on all that, I'm taking Grizzles Gladiators to upset this one. Our penultimate game of the week is going to feature number nine, Hater Tech. At one and three, taking on number 10, Ninja Panthers. Also at one and three, the projected outcome is that Ninja Panthers is going to win by about eight points. For Hater Tech, early in the week, they've got a lot of substitutions to be made. I'm writing off running backs. Not a great strength for them this season so far, and I don't see anything on their roster right now that tells me anything different. But I am very interested in wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton finally has a game where the Colts are going to need to pass. Julian Edelman, in what's going to be a a needed redemption game, there's a chance, an outside chance, he could have Cam back. If not, uh, Hoyer and Stidham didn't look great. Stidham looked a little better, but Edelman is old, and he had that really bad miss that turned into a pick six. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill could break a couple of big ones uh, versus tight coverage against Las Vegas. He typically has good to great games uh, regardless of where their defense ranks. Uh, look back, all his games against Las Vegas, he's only had one, maybe two stinkers. And everything else has been solid, if not spectacular. For Ninja Panthers, I don't like Wentz versus Pittsburgh, though it is Tomlin with an extra week's uh, rest, and it's a game that he should win on paper, so he probably won't have the team ready, so what the hell do I know? Running baps all over the map. Gurley should look good again against Carolina at home. Who the hell knows what's going on in L.A. with Henderson? I don't know. Script looks very nice for Ingram against Cincinnati, but again, that backfield has taken the prize from Belichick for the biggest clusterfuck. This week, I'm picking Ninja Panthers? That's a question mark? (laughs) And finally, we are going to uh, promote our game of the week. That's right. Game of the Week features two 4-0 teams. We have Night Shift. The number three team at 4-0 taking on Awful Waffles. Awful Waffles. 
Awful. Awful. The number two team at 4-0. The early projected outcome is that Awful Waffles is going to take it by about two touchdowns. For Night Shift, look for... This is a week of bounce backs. Look for Tyler Lockett in a gimme matchup against Minnesota. Josh Jacobs versus a Kansas City defense that's been sluggish early in games and likes to give up chunks to the running back. And Joey Bosa against New Orleans where when passes get defended and the sacks happen, a lot of it's gone to the defensive line. For Awful Waffles, I'm wary of wide receiver this week. Keenan Allen has been seeing a lot of high targets with Herbert in, but New Orleans does not give up to the wide receiver. Michael Gallup has only had one stellar game, and the Giants, like I mentioned earlier, they're stingy against the pass for whatever reason. And Michael Thomas, if he returns, and he is slotted in right now in the lineup when I looked, don't expect a stellar matchup versus a tough Chargers defense in his first game back from an injury. All that said, I am picking off a Waffles in a close one to give Night Shift their first defeat of the season. Now, last week I went 4-2 in my picks. That brings me to an even 9-9 nine nine on the season, for whatever it's worth. Uh, buys this week, Green Bay and Detroit. So if you got a Packer or a Lion on your roster, and hey, who knows, maybe we've got a forfeited game between Tennessee and Buffalo, so watch that one. Uh, keep those guys out of your roster. Special thanks again to Scott Sweatman for his stats work this week, especially while recovering. Thank you so much, Scott. And remember, Thursday Night Football this week, Tampa Bay at Chicago. If you got a buck or a bear, you can start them. And you can buy your NFFL swag on Redbubble, bit.ly slash NellisNFFL. No capitals. I am wearing my NFFL hoodie right now. I'll see you guys on the gridiron. The NFFL podcast is a production of Headverse Studios and is not recorded in front of anyone except for my own laptop. Headverse Studios. Tell your story.